0: Hi everybody, producer Al here, it's time for another TSFP Presents re-release series here on the Monday podcast feed. This is a series that was first released for Patrons over at patreon.com forward slash TSFP back in 2019. I think this is an underrated entry actually in the TSFP Presents canon. It's a history of transfers. Uh, Phil, Sid and I discuss the biggest transfers, the best transfers, the worst transfers, the most influential transfers and the most controversial transfers in La Liga history. And remember, if you enjoy this, there is lots more of this kind of thing over at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. Join us there.
1: Hello and welcome to a brand new series of TSFP Presents. We're calling this Transfers. A history of transfers. Are we? Are we? Did you just decide that unilaterally? I did. Welcome to TSFP, a history of transfers. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about some of the best, most interesting, most controversial, worst transfers Mm. to have taken place in La Liga over the last uh, few years. We're starting off with the most controversial transfers in a country which lives for controversy, lives on polemica. It really does. I mean, it's hard to overstate. I mean, we laugh about this, but, but the, the notion of controversy in Spain is so deeply ingrained into, into, into yes. society and certainly into journalism. Yeah, as well. absolutely. I mean, that is, that is I mean in a way, that's for.
2: kind of what creates the controversy. And of course, it has the elements that are there, but it's controversial through the way that it's played out hmm. in the media so often. Yes. And then, obviously, then through there into the
1: fans and, and, and so on. I mean, anything can be controversial. Yes. Anything and everything But especially football. Especially football. And, and especially transfers. And especially the transfers that, that we are going to talk about on to, on today's programme. As I said, in subsequent uh, podcasts, we're going to be talking about the, the best transfers, i.e. the ones that played the best for the best value well, as yeah, well. Yeah, that
0: had the biggest impact, the most influential mm-hmm. transfers. We the, can certainly do some worse
2: ones
1: as well. We There's the quite a lot days, of yes. very
2: bad transfers around.
1: Yes, so uh, so we're going to delve into the uh, the history books and, and look back at some of the uh, best, worst and most controversial transfers. Some of them in the not so distant past and some of them very much in, mm. the, in the far distant past. Yeah,
2: we, we were talking about this bit just before we went on air, but obviously possibly the most historically controversial transfer of all time mm. is one that precisely because of that historic significance we were going to leave out of today and do, do another time, which, of course, is the signing of Alfredo Di Stefano, which takes so much unpacking, which takes so much historical explaining. How many chapters
1: in your book was it?
2: Well, it's effectively two chapters yeah. in my book. I mean, there's one that's directly about the transfer, but then about the impact of Di Stefano, which, of course, is gigantic, is is another one.
1: Okay. Um, do you want to sort of uh, condense that into sort of 30 to 40 seconds? He
2: played for Millonarios, was owned by River Plate, and both Real Madrid and Barcelona wanted to sign him. Both Real Madrid and Barcelona thought they'd signed him. Both Real Madrid and Barcelona had agreements to sign him, and he ended up at Real Madrid. And how that happened is incredibly complex. Okay.
1: Do you want to give us a condensed version of how or, that
0: happened? Oh, do you want to save that for the, well, the pod about shall, the pod Shall we save most that for the pod about, about the most influential Because that might the be the most influential yeah, and, I mean, ever. It,
2: yeah, and as I say, it almost feels like we could do four shows on just that. All right.
0: But it's also, I mean, it's illustrative in that it involves Real Madrid and Barcelona. Several of the controversial transfers mm. we're going to talk about involve either Real Madrid or Barca or both, naturally because they are the clubs that generate mm. the most noise. But I think in particular some of the interesting ones that we're going to talk about is when it's Madrid or Barca losing a player to yeah. the other one. And I think that, that tells you something about the, kind of the, the psyche, the idea that when you're Madrid or Barcelona, you feel like you are the pinnacle, you are the biggest club in the world. Yeah. You should never lose a player if you don't want to, unless you let a player go. And so when you get a player leaving a Madrid or a Barca against the will of the, of the club... There's that feeling that something in the natural order of things is, mm. has gone wrong. This, yes. this shouldn't happen. And, and then, that's why it generates such levels of outrage. And
2: also why it does so much damage. And, and obviously, you know, one of the, the natural places to start with this is Luis Figo, which is possibly, in terms of transfers, the biggest there's ever been. I mean, as I say, Di Stefano is the biggest in terms of the impact, in terms of everything to do with it. But when, you, when you say to a Spanish football fan, tell me a controversial transfer, tell me a, a fichaje polemico, and everyone says like, Luis Figo... And one of the things that's so significant about it isn't just what happened, it's the damage that it did to Barcelona. It's the way that it destroyed them. And it destroyed the presidency of Joan Gaspard. There's no two ways about that. And you talk to Gaspard about this, which, which I've done. And, you know, he is torn apart by the remorse Still. from this. Yes. By the sense that any chance he ever had of being a good Barcelona president was destroyed by the fact that the first thing he did, did when he took power was have to oversee the departure of their best
1: player, mm.
2: and that that he then managed and, and not that,
1: just the departure, not just the departure, but to, but to,
2: who, but to okay. Real Madrid, and then he managed it by his own admission so badly. He had all this money. There's this great line he says. Well, he said, "I have all this money from Figo, and we'll we'll come, we'll do Figo in a minute, but just kind of the consequences of Figo first, which I know is a bit back to front, but it kind of makes sense. He said, I had all this money." And he said, and instead of doing what I should have done, mm. which is to say to the board, gentlemen, this has happened. We've got to deal with it. Let's take this calmly. Let's, you know, let's, let's just not lose our heads. He said, instead of doing that, he said, I had a big suitcase full of money and I went onto the streets to sign. And he said, when you go onto the streets to sign with a big suitcase full of money, you're fucked. <laughs> and that's basically what I happened. I mean, how many yeah. times
0: have we seen that when a club sell a player for a, yeah. for a lot of money and then end up going on a spending spree and replacing. Well this them is with why this is why
2: with nonsense. this historic kind of this historic uh, precedent in mind. This is why I was suggesting last summer or the summer before rather that when Neymar went the worst thing Barcelona could do was go and spend that Neymar money.
1: Yes. No you I remember you saying that. And actually
2: I might not be entirely wrong because no. it's taken a year for Dembele to be good but people are worrying about Coutinho now. They spent 300 million euros on those two players and it was partly because of the pressure of going, oh my God, we've lost this
1: amazing player. What do we do? Quick, let's spend cash. Um, how did Figo leave Barcelona to join Real Madrid? How do we start this?
2: <laughs> I mean, how do we, how do we kind of... How do we, I mean, the, the, the context and all. The, oh, there's so many elements to this but let's start with the, 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 the first thing is that Luis Figo... And i this is one of my one of the many stories about Luis Figo's transfers that I really like. Luis Figo wins the Ballon d'Or just after joining Real Madrid. Essentially has won the Ballon d'Or for what he'd done the season before mm. at Barcelona. That's the first thing to say. He is the best player in the world at this and point. And at his
0: absolute peak. And as peak well. and a, and a, the apex. Genu- his
2: genuinely a brilliant player. Um, a guy called Angel Moore, who used to be the what I suppose you'd call him the Masseuse, the kit man, the kind of the all-round bloke in the dressing room at Barcelona for many years, for about 30 years, and before him his dad was. So there was this kind of, des- de- um, uh, I was going to say destiny is not the word I'm looking for.
0: Hereditary. Dynasty is the dynasty. word I'm looking
2: for, of, of kind of confessors of the Barcelona's faith, if you, you like. You get that with
0: men sometimes, they do tend to be hereditary this positions. Kind of yeah. This
2: kind of sort of sense of there's some, some sort of spiritual importance almost. Anyway, he had created this mini museum in his little office, just off the Barcelona dressing room. And in this mini-museum, he had loads of photographs and boots and that sort of stuff. And um, he asked Luis Figo, after he'd left Barcelona, and after he'd won the Ballon d'Or, could he please have a photograph of him with the Ballon d'Or for his mini-museum? Now, Figo, of course, still has a relationship with him, even though publicly everyone is breaking off relationships with Figo. Figo gives him a picture. Luis Figo, standing there in his Real Madrid kit, holding the Ballon d'Or. The next time Figo went back to Barcelona, someone with a blue and red pen had coloured in his kit, (laughs) as if to say, yeah, mate... You won this playing for Barcelona. And so this is the best player in the world that Real Madrid take from Barcelona.
1: Uh, You talk about him going back. um, The second time he went back to the camp now.
2: This may well be the most... I mean, genuinely, I think the most famous picture in Spanish football history Mm. is the picture of a pig's head looking up from the turf at the Camp Nou. Mm.
0: Although, you have to say, I think for people who haven't seen it, if you haven't seen the photo or the images or the the video, when we say pig's heads, you're probably imagining it to be quite a bit bigger... Than it actually was. Like it's quite a small. I mean, it's head. a
1: suckling
2: pig. Yeah, it, it's you're not, a suckling pig. It's not.
0: You know, you have got like in that photo, you sort of have to look for it before you spot it.
2: Yes, you I mean. do. But at the same time, it's still a bloody pig's head. <laughs> it really is. I mean, we're not. We're not a bloody pig's head. No, but it would have been a bit oozy. You reckon? Well, there's a, there was a great interview. I remember this really clearly. There was a great interview with uh, with with one of the uh, a famous bit oozy. with a, a famous. Cochinillo chefs from yes. Segovia, the, the king of the El Rey de los Cochinillos, the king of the Cochinillos, the king of the suckling pigs, in Marca about a week later, mm. asking him about this. Mm. And him saying, this is a total lack of respect to the pig. You know, this is a a fine dish. It's the symbol of our city. And he said, and it would have smelt terrible and would have been um,
1: secreting some sort of liquid.
0: So who takes that into the stadium in the first place? It's the the degree of forethought that I think is Kind of impressive. But
1: I think that, you know, the the suckling pig's head is what made this... uh, transfer, perhaps the most iconic of all That's the controversial That's Icon transfers. is the word, isn't it? It's in, an image. In, it's an image. In, in perhaps European football. I mean, maybe there's, yeah, I'm sure there's certain madness has gone on in South yeah. America, but in terms of European football. But like you say, the funny thing is that
0: wasn't even his first trip. That yes. was the second yeah. the second game. And it's
1: also, it is worth, I think we've talked about this before, but it is
0: worth watching the video mm. of how long Luis Figo spends trying to take that corner. Yes. Mm. Because there are so many stop-starts before the game eventually gets suspended yeah. for about 20 minutes. By the referee because they
2: can't take it because stuff keeps raining down. Yeah. Hmm. right. I'm going to try and go through the the sort of the nuts and bolts, if you like, of this. I transfer. mean, there
1: is a, an entire chapter on this transfer in Sid's book, Fear and Loathing in mm. La Liga. So, for more detailed yeah. information about this transfer, refer to to your copy, which I'm yeah. sure you all have.
2: Well, I, I have it open in front of me now, just because okay. one or two of the, the kind of the the actual specific details I wanted to make sure I didn't get wrong but I mean the basic context of this is this is the best player in the world and there are presidential elections at Real Madrid. Mm. Now what happens with the presidential elections at Real Madrid is that Florentino Pérez who's the current president is bidding to become president of Real Madrid at a time when Real Madrid have just won the European Cup so in theory at least he doesn't have a very strong chance. Mm. He carries out a, a survey basically which effectively asks Real Madrid fans who they would most like to buy uh, and obviously, Figo's not the only name that appears, but Figo's name does appear, and this is from Barcelona. So, so Florentino Bella sees the possibility of getting someone from Barcelona who would be a huge sign, a huge impact, and, of course, a huge vote winner. This is the key. Never forget that this is about an election campaign, a huge vote winner. Now, Figo's buyout clause at the time, because he's in, in the midst of negotiations with Barcelona, which aren't going well over a new contract. So, there is a context there, which is, here's someone who, at the very least, is prepared to listen to other offers, and, at the very least, is prepared to try and exercise some pressure. And this is the key thing on Barcelona. His buyout clause is 10,000 million pesetas, around about 38, 40 million pounds at a time, which means a world record, but actually it's not a buyout clause that's totally beyond the realms of the possible, a bit like Neymar's wasn't when he went to went into PSG. Florentino Perez goes to Figo's agent, a guy called uh, Jose Vega, and offers him 400 million pesetas, a million and a half pounds, roughly, to sign an agreement... Which says, if you win the elections, I will join Real Madrid. Now, part of the Trump card here for Florentino Perez is it's impossible that he's going to win the elections. Mm. Vega thinks this is money for nothing. Says, okay then, and signs this deal. Of course, this deal gets out publicly. Mm. Now, this deal is supposed to be private as well. This gets out publicly. Well, of course, wonder, it gets. wonder how it got yeah, out. Yeah, of course, it gets out publicly because for this to help you win an election, it yes. needs to get out publicly. Yes.
1: This is when there were still elections.
2: Yes, this is when there were still... And this is absolutely huge. Figo denies everything. Mm -hmm. Says, look, I'm not going anywhere. He says, I'm staying here. He tells his Barcelona teammates and his best mates, Luis Enrique and Pep Guardiola, I'm not leaving. He does an interview with Sport newspaper saying, I can promise you I will be here at the start of next season. He calls uh, Florentino Pérez a liar. He calls him a fantasist. He says, there's no way this is happening. right. Right? But what happens, of course, is because this has gone out and because also and actually one of the things that's forgotten about that election campaign, Florentino Perez did an incredible job in terms of rounding up the postal votes Mm. so that it wasn't just about winning on the day. It was about kind of gathering votes in advance and and very, very cleverly um, managed that, that side of things. I love this particular quote. Lorenzo Santh, who, of course, was running against Florentino Perez. When Figo says this is complete nonsense, he, he's, of course, delighted because it damages Perez's election campaign, theoretically. This is the next thing you know, he's going to be announcing the signing of Claudia Schiffer. Obviously, that doesn't happen. No. Um, but the signing of Luis Figo does. When Barcelona confronted by this, when it looks like Florentino Pérez is going to win, the man who's about to become the Barcelona president is Joan Gaspard. And this is what I mean by his presidency is ruined by this, because this is the start. He's confronted with an issue, which is the only way you can stop this is by paying a penalty clause. Because Figo and Paris have agreed a penalty clause. 5,000 million pesetas, 19 million pounds, effectively. Right? And Figo, according to Gaspard basically begs him, please pay this, you know, we've really fucked it up, my agent has got this horribly wrong, he's practically suicidal, he's crying, he's under pressure, he knows he's got this wrong, pay this clause and I'll stay and that's the end of it, right? But Gaspard thinks, well, I would have to effectively pay the fifth highest transfer fee in history to sign my own player. And there's another problem. Pedith had made a promise during the election campaign, if Figo doesn't come, you all come to games for free for a season every season ticket holder gets his season ticket for free so the way that Gaspar looks at this is hang on I would be paying for 70,000 Real Madrid fans to go to football for free for a year me the president of Barcelona would be paying for Real Madrid fans to go to football free and he decided I just can't do this So in the end, he decides there's a whole series of negotiations still. They're trying to get out of it. He can't stop this. You've subsequently spoken to him. Does he regret that decision? Does he feel that he should have kept it? No, no. He he says he doesn't regret that decision because he could not have accepted that. He could not have accepted that a president of Barcelona does that. Mm. But I think he regrets that he was in a position where he couldn't do anything else. Um, I think he has...
1: He must really hate the agent.
2: Yes, he really does, and I think he really hates Figo. I mean, he says him and Figo have spoken, and, yeah. and I th- but he feels manoeuvred, and as I say, he feels like it, it killed him as well. Figo, by the way, when yes. I spoke to Figo about this, yes. Figo's very interesting, yes, because Figo's like... Do you believe him? Yes, because actually I think he was surprisingly honest, because listen to some okay. of the things he said. He said, I said to him, direct question, did you want to go to Real Madrid? And he said, Empezó siendo un calentón, y terminó siendo la realidad. It started with me being angry, a hot-headed moment, and it ended up being true. In other words, him saying to Barca, stop pissing around, I'm going to Madrid, I'll sign that, that'll show him. Mm. And then realising, oh. And there's another line he says, which I think is absolutely key, and he said, it didn't only depend on me. Mm-hmm. I think, no doubt about it, Figo didn't want to go, was manoeuvred into a position where he couldn't get out of it, and the biggest transfer in history happened despite the fact that only one person really wanted it to happen <laughs> and that was Florentino who got what he wanted. He
1: did, he often does. Yes, yes. he does, yeah, <laughs> yeah that is true. Yes, so I mean yeah. he played an absolute <laughs> blinder there to be honest. Yes he did, oh without <laughs> doubt,
2: without <laughs> uh, doubt. We're, we're,
1: we're going to move on but obviously we kicked off and, and spent quite a bit of time on that because it is the biggest of, of yeah, controversial nothing, Well there's transfers. been nothing like it no, since and quite. there wasn't
0: anything quite like it before either. No,
1: yeah. um, uh, having said that we're going to move on and talk about another transfer involving both uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid yeah. that of the, the the current Spain national coach mm. Luis Enrique They're going the other way going the other way but not in the same circumstances no not quite in the no same but the degree of
2: anger but, yeah certainly but, until Figo happened because of course bear in mind that Luis Enrique's happens in 95 I think 96, or 96. Um, in terms of anger that was huge for yeah. a long time and it's only it's been completely eclipsed by Figo yes by the time it was absolutely enormous the response yes. to that
0: of course, the difference being that in this case, it wasn't the case of a buyout clause being paid. It was uh, the end of his contract. Yes. They couldn't agree a new contract. And so he could go where he and also grew. he
2: always felt that he was pushed out by Real Madrid. Mm. Um, well, he
0: had a difficult relationship even before that with the fans, <laughs> didn't he? Where they're, they're, he was to a certain extent sort of targeted by the blue yes. boys, even even when things he weren't going well, he always, K, difficult relationship. Yeah, he
2: always yeah. felt he he always said he felt kind of alone, he felt <laughs> under pressure, he felt that people blamed him. And he'd there been was pushed a, around the
0: team in he'd terms He'd been pushed of around the team well.
2: in terms of position, he wasn't getting in the team. There was a moment um, when he was left out of the team. Quite a nice quote from Jorge Valana, who was the manager, of course, Mm. at the time. I'd left him out saying, I'm going to rest him. Um, and, and Lewis and Rick Enrique coming out and basically saying I'm so rested wow. I, can, I can't remember if the phrase was I'm so rested I could run up Everest or something like <laughs> that it was along those lines you know but rested I don't need he's to be rested he's always
0: been very quotable in yes the, in he has sense.
2: obviously what made that big in a way was his response afterwards yes. was how completely he embraced Barcelona yes. as a way of kind of turning his nose at Madrid and there's a, there's a lovely line where he s- talks about how he sees photographs of himself in white and it doesn't look right to him
1: oh, that is a good quote as yeah. well white's not my colour uh, that's an excellent quote and yeah. obviously he was, you know, um, as you said, quite, quite passionate whenever he played for Barcelona against Real Madrid. Well, yes. Talking about
0: passion as well, there's a great symmetry in terms of uh, his, one of his most famous goal celebrations, yes. Yes. which is uh, one he had done, I think when he'd scored for Madrid against Barcelona, when he's, he pulled down, down the, the shirt, shirt and yeah, yeah. then he replicated exactly the same celebration. But wearing a Barcelona shirt when he scored against Real Madrid, yes. I think, in his mm. second year as a, yeah, as a Barca player. end up scoring five goals uh, mm. over the course of his, his career as a Barca player against, against Real Madrid as well. And there
2: was, a, there was a, some complaints after he celebrated like mad, having scored against Real Madrid. I think it was Lorenzo Santh, who was the president at the time, the one who then lost to Florentino. Yes. And moaning about how much he was celebrating. And Luis Enrique came after the game and said, well, if he wants, next time I'll cry. <laughs>
1: Yes, um, so Luis Enrique, uh, yeah, very quotable, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's great. Of, yeah, isn't yeah, yeah, and yeah, also,
2: yeah. in all of this, of course, this kind of background rivalry Real Madrid thing, uh, my favourite moment, which is sort of related to this, but maybe not entirely, was his first season as manager of Barcelona, mm. when that kind of underlying prickliness, but also I think he enjoyed it. I think mm. he enjoyed the winding up and he enjoyed playing the game. And there was that famous, uh, because it was bizarre, quote on the front of *Ass* when he was struggling, saying, Luis Enrique is swimming through chewing gum. Yes. And no one knew what this meant. It didn't mean anything. It was total nonsense. Anyway, two weeks later building up for the Classico, Luis Enrique, manager of Barcelona, puts a po- photo up on Instagram or Twitter saying, here we are in the office preparing for the Classico and it's him and his staff and the computers are there and they're all open and just in the foreground, just in the corner of the desk is a packet of chewing gum and you know 100% that was deliberate.
1: Uh, there's also a great picture of uh, him and uh, Zidane sort of going at it. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and Luis Figo's there as well almost yeah. trying to hold Zidane yes. back. Yeah,
0: they yeah. get right up in each other's <laughs> faces. That is yeah. a that is a brilliant photo.
1: But yeah, as you say, you know, before, before Figo happened, this was, this, this was, was a massive, big deal, yeah. Yeah, and as, yeah, and and you know, Al's right. It was, it wasn't
2: the same in the sense that you know people could rec- understand the fact that he was leaving. People could understand the fact that he wanted to go, but it was that he sort of reveled mm. in the rivalry afterwards, and he kept saying, you know, Barcelona's a great place, Catalans are wonderful. He was effectively <laughs> saying, you lot, up yours, yeah.
0: Is it worth mentioning, before we move on to other clubs and other rivalries, uh, one player who played for both clubs, we've talked about him many times before in these podcasts. Gorgeous.
1: Lovely. (laughs) But the
0: difference being that he is still sort of loved by both Mm. Michael Laudrup.
2: Partly because when he played his first game for Real Madrid against Barcelona um, the fans were vicious and he was clearly very badly affected by it. And because he was so decent and because Mm. everybody knew that fundamentally he'd been forced out of Barcelona by Cruyff, that Mm. fundamentally he he was in a position where he couldn't stay um, I actually think the fans felt guilty at how badly they treated him on that game back and so sort of since then they backed away from it a bit and he always conducted himself with such dignity that now the battle between Madrid and Barcelona fans over Loudrop is almost for ownership it's like oh he's more ours than yours but we both love him well
0: I mean he was only a Real Madrid player for two yeah. years yes. and he was five years at
1: it was, it was enough to make him the, the, the King, King of Spain. A, the King yeah. of Spain. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You've told that story a number of I times. I yeah, I'm not <laughs> going to tell it again. Yeah. It's the, uh, the the actual King of Spain. Yeah. Uh, telling him he was the King of Spain. Him, yeah. He was the, uh, the King of Spain. But yes, uh, you're right. There is something of a battle for ownership over, mm. over the legend of, of Michael Laudrup. Very much different to the other two uh, cases that we've yes. mentioned. Yes. Very much different. Uh, moving on and... Um, Talking about Real Madrid, but uh, with uh, another team involved, that of uh, Valencia, and the start of a Mm. a real rivalry uh, between these two clubs. And it began with the transfer of Pedja Mijatovic from Valencia to Real Madrid. Uh, but before this, these two clubs had a pretty cordial relationship. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean admittedly it started the to... The fans t- didn't hate each other really? No, it started <laughs> to
2: turn a little bit because Paco Rocha who was the president of Valencia at the time was quite kind of pugnacious and okay. was very conscious of trying to make Valencia big. Mm. You know? And the curious thing is that, that, that Miatovic kind of created or, or at the very least crystallised the rivalry between Valencia and, and Real Madrid mm. And Paco Roche was very vociferous about it, and yet he hadn't wanted to sign Miatovic in the first place. He wanted to sign Romario. Romario went to Barcelona, Miatovic went to Valencia. Uh, Miatovic was absolutely brilliant. Valencia, you know, the, he's, he's the key striker in that season when Athletic win the double and Valencia go to the final day with a chance of winning it. I think he scores 28 goals in 95 96, mm. and Real Madrid come for him.
0: Yeah, once again, a case of he was their best and most important player. Madrid say we'll have some of that.
2: Yeah, and Madrid say have some of that and and pay the buyout clause as well. So this was done behind Valencia's back, and it was. I mean, obviously, that's the, the the real reason. It's not just the fact that he went, although there's there's a big part of that. It's the way it was played out.
1: Why did this leave such a scar on Valencianismo? Why did it cause such a, a deep rooted sort of?
2: I think I think because scar, they felt yeah. that first of all because he was brilliant at a time when this Valencia team. Probably we're in a position where I thought we could become the biggest team in Spain or one or a genuine contender. As I say, in with a chance to win the league in '96, uh, cup finalists in the famous cup final against Depor. Is it the following year or the year before? The year before, I think. Um, but, you know, a really, really strong side. It's also, as I say, the way it happens. So there's, there's a moment when Paco goes to Miatovic's house. Now, of course, all these stories get told. That's the other thing in all this. Yeah, yeah, Manipulation yeah. is the order of the day. In mm-hmm. so many of these cases, and, and that's certainly true, for example, in another transfer that maybe we'll talk about, I don't know, today or on another day, which is the departure of Sergio Ramos from, from mm-hmm. Sevilla to Real Madrid. There's a lot of manipulation there. But Bagarocz goes to his house and says, look me in the eyes and tell me you're not leaving. And Miatovic says, don't worry, I'm not going. Bagarocz okay. had given him an expensive watch as a kind of a gesture of good faith because they were going through contract negotiations. Of course, he knew that, that the... Um, Buyout clause, which was uh, 1,250 million pesetas. Um, You're talking about around about 7 million pounds, 7 8 million pounds in 96, which is a lot of money, but not impossible to pay. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also, Miatovic, towards the end, at a time when he's saying that this isn't done, he had a like a kind of a a, what would you call it an encuentro, a dinner, I suppose, a Mm -hmm. meeting with the supporters' clubs of Valencia, and he told them he wasn't leaving. And I think that was part of it. And of course, so when it broke, they were like, hang on, it's not just that you're going, you told us you weren't.
1: And is it maybe that, okay, he went in those kind of circumstances and then did what he did with Roman Madrid Absolutely. as well?
2: Because yeah. the other thing is, when he finally went, he thought it would help him to say, look, it's nothing against you. You've supported me. And by the way, they'd supported him when his son Luca was very, very, very ill. Um in, in childbirth, there's all sorts of problems. And Luca eventually passed away. I'm not quite sure how long after. Um yeah, but company, the the the, it, the yeah. Valencia fans had have really supported him, you know, with banners and chants and so on and, and backed him. And he said, Look, I really appreciate everything you've done. But and he thought he was helping. <laughs> he said, But I I want to go and win things. And of course, this Valencia team that is emerging yeah, yeah. is essentially saying. What, what, what? So you're now saying mm. we can't win things? And of course, as you say, that was then reinforced by him going and winning he, the European Cup. When he goes Cup. And
0: scores the winning goal in the European yeah, Cup. And final. So, so
2: that actually should have helped him in a way, but mm. didn't.
0: But like you say, and that the scars, you know, well, in some senses. Continues this day, but in terms of the relationship between the clubs, you then had some big uh, moments like when Madrid wanted to sign Mendieta, for example, and Valencia Valencia basically
2: fought it. And (laughs) Valencia sent him to Lazio. And and from Madrid's point of view, that's exactly part of it. It's like you can't have him, we'll give him to them, just so you can't have him. And Madrid certainly, I think, would feel that they don't understand, or maybe they do understand, but they don't appreciate or they don't like the fact that Valencia have been perfectly happy to sell players to Barcelona. And significantly less happy to sell players to Real Madrid, mm. and they would say, Well, you know, this is absurd, this doesn't mean anything. This is this, this anti madridista feeling, um, within Madrid at least. They would say that they don't understand it from mm. Valencia, mm. but it starts with Mijatovic,
1: and it's still there, I think, at, yes, this it day is. at a certain level. Yeah. Uh, moving on and discussing another a Real Madrid legend and an Atletico Madrid legend. <laughs> in well, he's got a plaque outside the wonder in well. Hugo Santa, a bit of a you mess. Might, you might yeah. not want to step on it, <laughs> yes. But- you might not be able to see it. I, I went guess. on
2: the Wanda tour over Christmas yes. and uh, yeah, made a point of stopping to have a look at Hugo Sanchez's plaque outside, and it had stickers on it and scratches across it. Obviously, they clean every day. Yeah, so I mean, you it would has have, had a lot worse. People on have put kind of it. dog shit on it and stuff yeah. like that and rubbish. So it gets cleaned up, but of course, the scratching. Becomes semi permanent and the stickers are quite difficult to take off and that sort of that's thing.
0: So symbolic, isn't it?
2: Yeah, El Escudo no Ciotoca was one of the stickers that was on there, so, but, but obviously his little plaque you do. And that's the whole argument, isn't it, about which players do you put out there? Because he's a legend because their definition of legend is anyone over 100 games. He's also a legend because he was a top scorer for them. He was a brilliant player. Yeah, you know,
0: Pachiche in the league I think scored 19 goals
2: that. Which is what also the other, you know, the context to this is the ones you hate, of course, the ones you loved. I might remember Michael Loudrop saying to me something along the lines of, you know, there's, there's that line about no one hates, what is it, no one hates a woman or man more than his divorced former husband or wife. And I suppose there's something in that. The,
0: the great I, I thing guess, about... Yeah, um, yeah
2: so that it was what, the fact that you love them so much that then means that the hatred becomes more or the, or the bitterness or the hurt is so great. Well,
0: that's also reflecting the way that they had to actually but, do the deal for him to go from Atleti to Real Madrid, they couldn't do it directly because that was seen as being too much. They had to orchestrate this weird triangular Mm. thing where in the space of a week, you went from atletico was it to unam who is original club and then to real yeah. madrid Yeah, there's, sold there's on. a bridge there So and actually it didn't that, go directly. that
2: that theor- the idea of the bridge is something that's been floated quite a lot since then but never really actually happened
1: hmm. uh, so it's a bit like what if you were saying that um with the with the divorcées hmm. you'd hate them even more if they then subsequently got with your brother or something like yes, that which is exactly kind of what's happened. exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. um uh, who is it
2: which there's a song isn't there about basically it, which is effectively that which is effectively saying you know, what's your new partner like I bet he's handsome I bet he's rich
1: I bet he's treating you better than I ever did all this mm-hmm. sort of stuff I can't for the life of me think which song that is uh, but Hugo Sanchez then went on and scored a hell of a lot of goals for Real Madrid as yes. well without um, many touches
2: yeah that, that <laughs> season where he gets 38 goals all of, all of a single touch is just I mean it's just bonkers isn't it and by the way that was um, a record that had stood for 50 years until Messi and Ronaldo and actually Luis Suarez overtook it in the last, what, six, seven years.
1: Yeah, in, in terms of scoring that number it's of that goals. That many goals, 38 goals as a league season, it was
2: just an extraordinary record.
1: It really is, actually. Because, yeah, it's, yeah. It's,
2: it's it's incredible. I mean, he. I think it was Telmo Thadda who'd done it before him. And so you're talking, off the top of my head, I can't tell you, but I think it's 50 years between Thadda and Hugo Sanchez. And then, of course, Hugo Sanchez, who did it in 1990, I think, would have obviously by definition held on that record for what, 22, 23 years mm. before mm. anyone else had overtaken it? Mm. Quite something.
1: But as you say, it uh, did not go down very well with the other no. and still to this day as we said. They still hate know, him. They still <laughs> they
2: Absolutely hate him.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Um, let's talk about De Nilsen. And uh, no, no, sorry, not no. Danielson, the other one, Rivaldo. Let's Rivaldo. talk about no, another tricky Brazilian. Yeah, yeah, the other tricky Brazilian. Let's talk about uh, Rivaldo and his mm. move from Deportivo La Coruña to uh, to Barcelona. On there's,
2: a, there's a theme developing here because this is another buyout clause.
1: Because
2: mm. of course, that's the way to have a hostile bid and get away with it.
0: So yeah, this was what it was for. 4000 million, million pesetas per se, which is i mean it apples.
2: used to be the rough rule of thumb was you take off the last two noughts and half it so mm-hmm. 4000 million pesetas around about 20 million pounds right. at so a the time when that was a lot of money so this is
0: only a year after Miata Plus VAT, by paid the way
2: they had because they, they had to pay i think 600 uh, million euros a million okay, pesetas VAT. So, so
1: why is this controversial
2: well i don't in some ways i don't think it is that controversial in some ways let me explain by what what i mean by that in the for a lot of Deportivo fans, even in this era, because this is um, this is 96, 97, the year I lived in, in Obiello that he played for Depot and he was absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, even then, when Depot aspire to be a great team, when obviously they don't know at this stage, but they're only two years off winning the league title and all, all that sort of thing, there's still a sensation that, look, it's natural when your best players go to Madrid and Barcelona. It's kind of what happens, unless you really do aspire to be very, very big. Mm. So in that sense, it sort of wasn't that controversial. I think what was controversial was, again, the sense that they applied the buyout clause. They made it impossible for Depo to do anything about it. And
0: it was quite... Wasn't it quite late it on in Vervo, terms of... Well, he, it was the season. final day. he yeah. yeah. played
2: played um, in the... What's the Tereza Depo? Teresa Rivera? Teresa Rivera. No, is that uh, it? No. Herrera. No. Trofeo Herrera. No, Trofeo... No, Trofeo whatever the pre-season... I forgot. Yeah. My mind's gone totally hey, blank. Yes, it is. Rivera, the, the, yeah. the pre-season um, Depo-Tivo Tro- tournament... The day before, yeah. I think, and, and scored a penalty as well. I mean, you know, and he, I think, what made it what made it kind of controversial was that that it happened so late. Was that Barcelona kept on trying to do a deal that they weren't interested in, and then said, "All right, well, we'll pay it." Then end the mm. story. Um, Barcelona, by the way, the day they signed him, Steve McManaman was in a hotel in Barcelona waiting to sign for Barcelona. The reason McManaman didn't sign for Barcelona was because Rivaldo did. That's a great
1: story. Is that yeah. in your book? No. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. It's a good one, isn't it? I mean, obviously, I know it's not only because I've read it several times. Obviously. Oh, yeah, yes, <laughs> and, yes. and,
2: and, and, and taken on every single yes, word. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, wow. So, so Mc, McManaman then obviously went to Real Madrid and yeah. won two European Cups right. and two yeah, league yeah, yeah, titles, yeah. including scoring in the semi final against Barcelona at the Camp Nou. So, you know, Macca came out of it all right. But I think it was that. And also, I think it was the coldness that Rivaldo showed. Mm. And I also think there was the sort of the sense that there was a frustration because Barcelona had cocked up really badly and lost Brazilian Ronaldo mm. at the end of that season, when he had been the best player i have ever seen in terms of a single season, in mm. terms of impact, in terms of, mm. God, where's this guy from? This mm. is amazing. Um, and they lost him at the end of the season because they...
1: Maybe he might appear in the best transfers. Yes, podcast.
2: absolutely. Um, you know, they lost him um, in a deal to Inter Milan, basically because they didn't control the situation with his contract renewals and so on. Mm. And I think there was a frustration in A Coruña at the fact that, oh,
1: you lose your, our guy and we're the ones who pay for it. OK, uh, moving on. Uh, last couple of uh, controversial transfers. Let's, go, let's spread our yes.
0: wings a bit and go a bit more, uh, go around Spain.
1: Yes. Let's go to the Basque Country, shall we? Let's yeah. go to the Basque Country, right. Uh, tell me, Sydney, about the, uh, the transfer involving Joseba Echeverria. Well, let's... St- <laughs> nicely
2: said. Let, <laughs> let's start with what happened recently, the signing of Inigo Martínez mm. from, from Athletic Bilbao. Which is
0: probably, I mean, we've talked about Figo. Since Figo... Inigo Martinez might be the most
2: controversial Yes he might be That we've seen And again this is partly Not just because of the transfer in itself Because even Real Sociedad and uh, uh, Atletico Bilbao With the rivalry they've got Even within that There is I wouldn't say an acceptance But there is an awareness from Real Sociedad That Atletico Bilbao have financial muscle And can come for your players And of course the buyout clause was paid But it's not just that It's that Inigo Martinez in 2014 said I would never play for the other side Never Never. And, of course, the money came and he did. Now, Real Sociedad knew, knew this would happen. They knew yeah. well in advance it would happen. Mm. They knew this was a possibility. And this is one of the frustrations of the fact that he didn't go to play with Ernesto Valverde at Barcelona because that mm. would have prevented him go, uh, from going to Atletico. But what this really did was recover or remind people yes. of the Echeverria transfer, which I think was the beginning of a certain... Maybe not the beginning, but again, the crystallisation, if you like, of a, a certain sense of tension between Real Sociedad and Atletico Bilbao partly because Real Sociedad feel yeah it's all well and good Atletico Bilbao saying they're the best national team they're the ones who symbolise El Scali they're the ones who have this policy but actually they can only do it because they have the financial muscle to take kids off us and when yeah, they're very the, young the that's the yeah. thing it's, that you, that, 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 it's the frustration and the anger at saying you present yourself as a team of Cantera of youth system yeah. but you you are the big shark, if you like, in the youth system, Paul. Mm. Um, and and of course, Etchebarry is a good Im- I- example of that because he signed at seventeen. Mm. You know, this star player who signed for not was, a huge amount of money, well, by the no, way. But it
0: was the it was the most expensive ever under eighteen player in Spain. Five hundred and fifty
2: million pesetas. Again, take the last two digits off and half it. Two and a half, two and a half, three million pounds, more or less. Mm. So not a massive amount of money, but as you say, a huge amount of money in July '95 for a seventeen-year-old. Again, there's a certain degree of mythology in this in that the two clubs were talking or were trying to talk Athletic were trying to talk to Real they were trying to make offers um, at the same time uh, Echeverria was in contract renegotiations with Real Sociedad I think he wanted 150,000 uh, pesetas which is not actually a huge amount of money annually wasn't offered it he'd just come off the back of think of being quite successful with Spain's under-20s at the World Cup and so there was this kind of sense that you know, this is a really good kid who you've got to give a good deal to to keep him and then he went and of course what that does is then it reinforces the idea that mm. he went for money mm. and he went because they had more financial muscle it's also probably true that Atletico the bigger club mm-hmm. if not always purely in football in terms but the bigger, the bigger institution anyway
1: well, I mean yes definitely yeah. Yeah. There's, a there's a great photograph
2: like I remember photographing Ass or Marker Of his first game back at Uh Anoeta for Athletic Bilbao, I say first game. First game back, it was at Anoeta with with the running track, and a photograph. And people were throwing bottles at him. And obviously, with the running track, it was very unlikely that you were going to reach it. I remember this photograph, and it was kind of done on a wide angle picture, so you could get some of the running track in, with a circle around all the bottles. And I think they counted Uh, eighteen or something, or seventeen or eighteen of these bottles. and as I say, it was it was more that symbolism of yeah okay you talk about Cantera but you're taking yes. our Cantadanos
1: yes so that's a bit more like a sort of a big brother yeah uh, yeah a sort, sort of, of a bullying slightly you. bullying big yeah. brother thing yeah bullying big brother well there we go uh, two Basque um, signings there and and as we said, Inigo Martinez the more the more recent one and that has that was I you know, was pretty hurtful as well for yes. for, for for La Real uh, let's finish by uh, talking about so 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 I like it yeah. yes the um, well, he's not a neo-Nazi, or is he? Well, I don't know. I, I, I'm yeah. really uneasy I about giving an answer to, to that. I never to the bottom
0: of it, but he certainly claimed that he wasn't. No. Um, I think it's quite complicated because of the situation in Ukraine. Yes. But anyway, yes. his loan move to Rayaoviya kind of didn't work out. Uh, <laughs> it, it was lasted. short-lived. It lasted hours. <laughs> hours, <laughs> yeah. From yeah. Metis before...
1: Um, he was sent on his way, unfortunately. Yes, obviously, Riva kind of famously have uh, left leaning uh, ultras, at least uh, anyway, and they weren't happy mm. uh, with some of the uh, comments that uh, Sosulia had. Yeah, and posted. Some of the photographs as well, with some of some of the some of and some of the
2: militia yeah. groups that he he'd he'd, um, he'd supported actively supported in 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 Ukraine. As you say, it's complex, and it's one I can't claim to know enough about because of the nature of the relationship with. Well, with political ideologies for mm. a start, but mm. also in particular the nature of, of the of the Ukraine Russian conflict mm. and what that means that the iconography really means, if you sort of mean. Yeah, oh, so That's a mean, lot of means, then, wasn't it? No, yeah.
1: but I mean, ultimately, it, it shows the uh, the sort of the fan power that was yeah. that was, was mm. exercised. And there. look, it
0: also had a happy ending. He's now at Albacete yes. and he's doing all right, I think. Yeah.
2: I'm not sure how happy it is to end up at Alba Fete. <laughs> uh, we've discussed this before, haven't we? <laughs> Sorry about that, Alba Fetenos.
1: Yes. Uh, but there. Right, there we go. Uh, we went on a little bit longer than we uh, thought we might, but I think this, that might be a, a running theme. My, in, in my, this. One,
2: very, my, one very, very brief okay. one to add to this, because that a was on a on deal either. that didn't happen because no. his own fans were unhappy. The other one, very famously, recently, Danny Guitha. Uh, who started his career at Cardiff? Who yes. went round lots and lots of places and said lots of very silly things over the years. One of the things Cadiz. he said he said well, he would never ever play for Cardiff. <laughs> Cardiff then signed him at his own presentation. <laughs> As he's there doing the kick-ups, they're shouting abuse at him. Well yes. played, Daniel. Yes.
0: If there's one thing we've learned in this episode, if you're a player. Never say never. Just yes. keep
2: your mouth shut. Yeah. yes,
1: yeah. It's true. Although I'd much rather players spoke, wouldn't? Didn't, wouldn't you? Yeah, but don't say I will never do this. Just oh, that's especially true. if keep you keep an open mind. mind. Yeah. Yes. yes, yes. Yeah. Keep an open mind. Keep an open mind, guys. Uh, we've got uh, more of these transfer pods are coming up. We might do the uh, uh, the best. The next, best next or record breaking or, or yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So there we go. we'll come
2: up with uh, with some. It's all been theme. planned in
1: advance, honest. It's As you can see. There we go. TSFP presents a history of transfers next episode coming up in a couple of weeks we'll speak to you then adios cheerio bye
2: Network.